0: Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, not being moved by any of our trials and tribulations other than to move on our behalf and to hear our prayers. And so we thank you that you are trustworthy. And as we we look at uh, sanctification over the next couple of weeks, uh, uh, we just pray that you would help us understand what it means to to grow in Christ and to be uh, moved and by the Holy Spirit, and as you work in our lives to, to make us more like you, to conform us into your image. And so, Lord, we, we just uh, are amazed that you love us this much. So uh, go before us, be with our conversation. May it be something that uh, helps us, Lord, in our um, walk with you, and more than anything, in our love of you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so we're going to the third article today, which is sanctification. Now, a funny story, um, and it's recorded, So, but when I was uh, going through confirmation um, things with, and, and whatnot with Jonathan two years ago, um, I brought up this word sanctification. And he says, yeah, we don't talk about this too much. Uh, and I said, well, how about maturing in Christ? He goes, oh, we like to talk about that. I'm like, okay. Uh, because sanctification is is a, um, a little bit of, of of one of those terms that how you define it determines what you think about it, which I guess was with every term right but sanctification has been taken into weird places by many denominations over the years so the tradition that I grew up in when I was a kid was the Holiness Movement. And so you have Salvation Army, Nazarene, Church of God, some Assembly uh, of God came out of that. And they believed that there was a point, yeah, you will see things happening on the screen, so please ignore it. <laughs> uh, uh so they, they believed that there comes a point in your life where you receive what's called the second blessing, and that is your complete sanctification, which means that you no longer sin in this lifetime. Um, and the, the, the way they get away with that is, well, you don't willingly sin. So you still might sin, but you wouldn't know about it, so it's not a sin if you didn't know about it. It's kind of how they... They, they get around it. And so you can poke a lot of holes in it, and it's really fun. And there's a lot of guys who came out of that, me being one of them, but guys before me, thankfully, who wrote a lot about it and the failure that happens. Um, again, the problem with it is that often sanctification becomes the work of man. We say justification, absolutely the work of God, but sanctification, well, God needs your help. That's not true when you look at scripture. God doesn't need your help. In fact, he looks at you as a completely sanctified person. So we'll get into the definition of sanctified as we get in, but that's kind of the prelude to to what we're going to jump into today. So, uh, you know, I already see some wheels turning in some of your heads with some of the things that I've already said, because it is foreign to a lot of us. Um, when we hear that you can help with your own sanctification or there comes a point in time where you don't sin anymore well I better not be that's only when I'm not breathing just so you know <clears throat> it's not a defeatist attitude that's what the sac- the people who believe in the second blessing well you're just you're just walking out through life as already a loser well no <laughs> I'm walking through life as completely dependent upon the work of Christ and that's my hope and I'm not putting any stock in who I am as, as, as my ability Because anything that I do, right, that is good, is because the Holy Spirit has done it, and I can't take any credit for it. So, here's the article of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So that's kind of moving the, the, the life of the Christian, you know, in the church. The communion, the fellowship of the saints, what that looks like. Also the partaking of the Lord's table together. Uh, The forgiveness of sins that has perpetual, that's always happening for you. And the the resurrection of the body of life everlasting. So this is the trajectory, right, that, that we're on. So what does this mean? Luther says, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens and the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. So, what's your understanding of sanctification? What is it? It's
1: like raising
2: up
0: your children. Okay, explain it.
2: Yeah, but. I know I think like the kids are having fun. Down. Down. I've always thought of sanctification as being a process, but okay. I'm not sure if it is. I mean it's an act of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. Maybe it's not a process.
0: Okay, so Harold says that that, it, that um always thought of sanctification as a process. It's an act of the Holy Spirit, and I, I would I would say you're not wrong. Um, I would say that what we're doing is as we the process is us discovering the sanctification that's already been done by the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, as we grow in the Lord, there's more uh, there's more attributes of Christ that we're learning and gaining as the Holy Spirit. So it looks to us like a process, but again, right when we're talking about God. He's outside of our kind of time frame and so he looks at it uh, completely done. Steve.
3: I wasn't thinking I was just the process because I see uh, that point, but I always thought it was like being set apart. In okay. Ephesians says when you're, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, the Holy Spirit's calling and, and doing the work over there. I always thought it was you're being set apart for a purpose of God. It was explained to me this way, that you're being set apart For the work of the Holy Spirit specifically, Mm -hmm. he's targeting you. It's not someone around you, it is you. You can count on him to be bringing life to you.
0: Yeah, and and I agree with the set-apart side because that was what sanctification really means is to be set-apart unto holiness. Um, So he looked at the nation of Israel, he set them apart unto holiness. I think where we get into some danger is personalizing it too much and making ourselves feel more special than we really are? No, I know, I know. But 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 a lot of times when we say, well, he's targeting you, well, he's targeting every believer, and he's provided, he wants to sanctify every person if they would enter into the relationship with Christ by receiving the forgiveness of sins. So we're going to kind of walk through this process. The And I want us to understand, to really, what Harold was saying, is that well, maybe it's it's a well, you, you summed it up perfectly. Well, maybe it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, not maybe you didn't say it that way, but it is a work of the Holy Spirit. So maybe it's not the process that we've always come to believe, but I do think that there is a process about it. But when God said to the nation of Israel, "I have sanctified you. I have set you apart for me," right? Then that way, that means that we've been set apart. Is that is that Tom?
3: Okay.
0: hmm That was oh, okay. well, come on. Yes,
1: Jean. And this may be the wrong place for this question, maybe it needs to go in the middle of the end, and that's fine. Is I've been reading Ephesians 4, 17 to thirty-five, somewhere in there, and it talks about I think it's thirty, about do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And I don't understand how you grieve the Holy Spirit because we're talking about it.
0: We're probably gonna get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but the the simple answer is is not to trust in Jesus. That's how you grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean that's the So oh
2: wait, in the semantics of that, sorry,
0: shiny. Uh is
1: that
2: hey, mean that
0: you're grieving for the Holy Spirit or the Holy
1: Spirit you're no, causing, it's the it's the it's Holy Spirit causing the Holy
0: Spirit grief? I think it would be you're causing the Holy Spirit grief, yeah. Like he's done this, brought you in a direction, and you say, eh, no, I'll do it on my own. Well, that's not good, right? So let's look at, um, on the paper here, uh, the, what, the reason that I've quoted the NIV here is because it has a, actually a good way of, of stating it with the word sanctified. So, the vol- so let's look at what the following verse explains about sanctification. It, oh, yeah. So 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What does that verse tell us about sanctification? The,
1: the, the the spirit sanctification does it all.
0: Okay. Carly. Ah, so you, you were sanctified. So to Harold's uh, query earlier, I always thought it was a process. Um, it's hard for uh, for me, and again, I was raised like to that to that belief. It's a process, but to me, when we look at the language here, Paul says you were sanctified, and what's interesting is he goes backwards. You know, because justification happens first. But he says, well, you were sanctified, you were justified. So almost to give the idea that this was a um, simultaneous event when you received the gift of faith. Um, And so that changes the narrative, I think, for us to go, wait a second, If if God sees me as set apart unto holiness because of his work, what does that look like then in our daily life? Any thoughts?
2: Oh, well, we should act like it, I guess. I okay. We should say, "Yeah, we're we're set
1: apart." Okay. Let's act like it. In the internal battle between the world versus God.
0: Okay. Yeah, because now we're in a fight. Right.
1: Uh,
0: and, and it's interesting because um, we should act like it. I totally agree. But now where we get into a, a bunch of problems and denominations and different ideas is, well, what does that mean to act like it, right? You know, and so that's, that's subject to an interpretation. So we, we start wrestling with that. Yes, but I agree.
1: It seems to me when you're a little kid being told, hey, you're my kid, you're my father, and you represent the family. And then there's that realization that it's like an acceptance and belief in the fact that, (coughs) oh, that's who I am, and therefore I won't, to use my term, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son mm-hmm. by doing, consciously doing
0: things that I know I shouldn't Okay. So direct rebellion maybe is what the, the okay. Yeah, yeah I There's mean, that and there, the
1: confidence that she
0: has. right. And this is the challenge I think in the church mm-hmm. is we look to the, the word, I'll use the word sanctification as our work that proves that we're really a believer instead of going wait a second god has sanctified me now how do i walk in that truth you know how how do i walk in that truth and 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 to realize that my actions don't don't just like they don't change whether i have been justified or not my actions don't change whether i'm sanctified or not it's the work of the holy spirit it's the work of god and so and so that that does help us wrestle with it in a different way steve
3: I was just wondering if um, if you thought that maybe uh, the Holy Spirit is going to be um, enabling you to maybe walk in the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit—love, joy, peace, kindness, patience. Kind of patience. It seems like even even that provision, if you're if you're actually walking in that sanctification, that we might see some uh, some joy. There might
0: be some... Well, and, and, and I don't disagree with you because the fruits of the Spirit are evident, right? We can see them. But I think the challenge that we run into, and this is the, one of the inevitable tensions, one of the tensions that Luther talked about that we live in. And that's one thing that I've learned. There's just some tensions right? that, that, that I, can't, I, can't, I can't totally define everything. And so because when we say... Um, just to, I'm not picking on you, but to use your words, well, would, would there be some joy, right? Well, what does that look like,
3: uh, right? It depends
2: on right. what
0: do you that. <laughs> and from person to person, right. that might look differently, and, and from moment to moment, that might look differently. And so it, the, the challenge is, again, this is what denominations have wrestled with over the years, and believers over the years, how do I show to others and prove that I'm a believer? Well, if I'm working out my salvation, as Paul says, well, we take that and go. Well, that means I'm actively helping in the process of sanctification. But yet, when we read First Corinthians six eleven, it says, "You were sanctified." Same man who said, "Work out your your salvation with fear and trembling." So, how do we how do we wrestle with those? How do we wrestle with James saying, "Hey, I'll show you my 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 faith by by my works." And so we have this tension we know that we've been saved we know that we've been justified and sanctified completely by the lord but yet now we wrestle with how do i i'm a new creation in christ old things have passed away behold all things are new how do i then walk as paul says in the beginning of ephesians 4 i I urge you now to in light of god's mercies to walk therefore in a manner worthy of your calling romans 12 he says i urge you in the light of god's mercies to present yourself a living sacrifice holy and acceptable god your are reasonable your logical act of worship so this is the tension that we live in
2: well to, to me it's, it's a response it's mm-hmm. not we didn't start it we're responding to it
0: absolutely yeah that's the old billy joel song we didn't start the fire so <laughs> sorry <laughs> but right, we didn't start here. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> well, it's the '80s. No, <laughs> maybe it was early '90s. I don't know. But but we but the reality is we didn't do it. We can't take credit for it. Nor can we take credit for even even the response to some degree, right? We in our flesh will not respond to the work of the Holy Spirit. It, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to do that. So on the second page, Luther explains that the Holy Spirit sanctifies me, makes me holy. By bringing me to faith in Christ, so that I might have the blessings of redemption and lead a godly life. And he calls this sanctification in the wide sense. So I thought it would be beneficial for us to go, okay, what is sanctification in the wide sense versus sanctification in the narrow sense? So sanctification in the wide sense is the whole work of the Holy Spirit, which he brings us to faith and also enables us to lead a godly life. Alright? That's the the, the big picture, the macro, if you will. Now we come in a little bit, zoom in. The narrow sense is that part of the Holy Spirit's work by which he directs and empowers the believer to lead a godly life. This is a daily basis, daily walking thing. Macro, we know he's done this, and this is what he's doing. Micro is everyday living. And so now we go, okay. So, now we're going to get into stuff. Yes, Harold? So,
2: dare I bring up the the word free will. All sure. Things. So, I mean, yeah, that, that just to me, because we have free will, I mean, we can accept, you know, we can go to hell or not, you know, but, you know, but then on the other hand, the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is working in each of us. I think, hey,
1: um, wasn't yesterday, daily, the uh, Portals of Prayer had uh, an excerpt about that, about living in free will, that really that free will is something that he or was it C.S. Lewis I've been reading C.S. Lewis and oh boy. the of the prayer oh boy. And, and it was about that free will and how that free will is something that, that yes we do have but again that's that gift
2: from isn't that talked about in the book of Concord so, <laughs> so is.
0: free will is in, the, is in the Augsburg Confessions which will be so maybe by, maybe by March we'll get the free will because it's, it's like number seven, I think, or eight. Anyway, but, but no, this is a good point, though, Harold. So um, Luther wrote a book called On the Bondage of the Will, and it was in response to Erasmus who was basically was saying we have free will to choose Christ. And his whole point was that we really are in bondage to sin before Christ. We all agree with that. We have, we're in chains, we have no, our whole life is bound to sin. And so what happens when Christ enters into the picture, and you receive that, now comes what I would call free will, um, where we get into grieving the Holy Spirit, because we now have the ability, before we had no ability to please God, we had no ability to respond to God, but now... Free will and for the believer is really is because if you look at your neighbors who don't have Christ, you don't expect them to do anything that has eternal godly merit because everything's going to satisfy something here on earth. Right. Might be great philanthropy, but it's still a self-satisfying act Um, and they do good things. But when you're changed from darkness to light, and now you're awake in Christ because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, now comes what I would say the free will battle. This is what Luther would say, too, is that we don't have free will until after Christ. I'm summarizing a large book into just a few sentences here. But we don't have the ability to choose anything before Christ, We can only choose sin. When Christ enters in, now we have the ability to go, I'm caught between, do I want to satisfy my flesh? Do I want to please God? Right? And so now we've got this battle where we do have a choice. I mean, many of us as believers know we're supposed to do this and reject this, but we find ourselves momentarily, uh, I would call it momentary spiritual insanity, saying, okay, I'm going to do this, even though I know this is not what God wants or is pleasing to God. And then we feel bad because we've grieved the Holy Spirit. And we know that the work of sanctification in our life uh, is there and maybe we've stunted it. Well, that's a whole different argument. But, but we're like, oh man, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And the love of God drives us back to say... Uh, to First John 1, 9, like we do every single Sunday morning, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's the grieving of the Holy Spirit is a gift that drives us to, to be in knowing right relationship with Christ. Um, so free will is a, a, good, a good thing, and we'll dive into it a lot more when we get there in the Augsburg Confessions, but it's, it's, it is that big controversy um, so I would say in our doctrine and my personal doctrine too, in theology, is that we do not have the ability to choose until after Christ, and that's when the battle's on. <laughs> that's when we're like, okay, now, now I mean like, I want to talk to my kid, before I would just yell at him, and now that I'm in Christ, I'm like, well, that probably isn't the way I should respond to them unless they're, you know, touching fire or something, right? So <laughs> that's where you, the battle comes in. So... Um, so, why do we need the Holy Spirit to begin and sustain this faith in you? So, before we would dive into Scripture, how would you answer that question?
2: Okay. So what you just talked about is that the, the, the choice wasn't there before. Okay. So, the choice is there now because you have
1: the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, Gene. And
1: the Holy Spirit can kind of lead us where
3: we should be going.
0: Okay. Any other thoughts?
3: Powerless would happen.
0: Okay, great. All right, so someone read 1 Corinthians 2 14.
3: But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, nor uh, can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned.
0: Okay, so the natural man, which again, this tension that we talk about. we're still clothed in the natural man, even though in Christ we're the new man that's, that doesn't deal with the temptations of the flesh. But the natural man cannot do the things of the Spirit. Is that what that's saying? Right? Because it's not spiritually awakened. Because the natural man.
3: He's incapable.
0: Okay. E- Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. Thanks, Doug.
3: And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying on our desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. A God being being rich in mercy because of, of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved.
2: Great.
0: So and this is a great a great um proof text, I would say, to what Luther proposed and, and what I concur with is what kind of decisions can a dead person make?
2: Nine. Rotten
0: ones. <laughs> 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 Not any. You went right there. That
2: was okay. uh, <laughs> I had one.
0: Only decisions that lead to decay. No. Okay. So, but so we look at this and we go. So think about it. And and I don't want to make light of anyone who had to make these decisions for a loved one who has passed but that person has passed away. And, and think about the person who doesn't have any, li- any will in place or, or what they want laid out for it. Everyone else is making decisions for that person. And so when we think of the dead person, so well, all these people that are outside of Christ, um, they're, they're dead, they're walking, they're walking dead, for lack of a better term, but, but they're, they're, they can't make a decision because they haven't been spiritually enabled because, again, the Holy Spirit, Through the power that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross you know raised us from death to life and so it's always one of those fascinating things for me um, when we say well I chose Christ well I get that God's nice and he lets you believe that you had something to do with it but the reality is I as a dead person I would not have chose that so he quickens us by the Holy Spirit and then because of the Holy Spirit, we can respond in faith. Um, and that's the prayer I think we should have for other people. The Holy Spirit is, is quickening dead people all the time to the reality of who Jesus is. And now he's, get, he's willing to give them the ability to, to accept. And there's a, there's a, great, there's a real, real small line where there's a tension where we can't totally understand exactly how it all works. But we do know this. If man receives any part of the glory, then it's flawed. And the perfect work of Christ is then negated a little bit. Yes, or marred.
1: God has to be the sovereign there. Even if people don't understand. And I mean, truthfully, you could say, because I've like had a son say this to me, well, I don't choose heaven and I don't choose hell. So, that's not free will because you're either I'm going to go to hell or I'm going to go to heaven. And that's not free will.
0: And he didn't choose either. So <laughs> what, what does that but put? I in? mean
1: that's how the world looks at yeah. it. You're telling me if I don't choose God, you're gonna send me to burn forever. That is not free. But I'm you a know. good person. So I can't go hell. But I'm a good yeah, person. Yeah, but you know, but they cut but yeah. that's, you know, what do you say to that? You don't have free will in that way, you know. I'm sorry. You do have a you got you know, one or the other other's gonna happen to you.
0: Yeah, you see, I think the response is, uh, I'm going to pray more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, d- no decision is a decision.
3: That, uh, sure. You know, Gene's point over here, I thought, and Carly's point, I thought is, when I'm, when I'm witnessing or talking to a friend or whatnot, and they are barbarians or that, it's hard for a concept that, you know, you go to Ephesians that they're, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. It's amazing. If you talk to a, a, a vast percentage of people, they don't see themselves dead in trespasses and sins. No. I mean, they're incapable of, of, of understanding it But so let me amazing.
0: encourage us in that. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has written eternity on man's heart. Amen. So even though they might deny it or not understand it, there's something within them that knows that they that this life is not all that there is. There's something there because God says it. And so they can deny it all they want with, with loud talk and with, with, with anger and whatever. It doesn't change the fact that it's there. And so there is going to come a point where they're going to go, wait a second, this life is, mm-hmm. is fleeting and I'm going to be accountable for something. Um, and so, and, and I would say, he probably your son probably doesn't let you get into this conversation, but well, no, God's honoring your choice. And, we, and that's where we get into some gray area too. You've rejected the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And how would it be heaven to you if what you rejected you still got because that would make you unhappy because you're like i didn't want this i rejected this truth um and so um but it's again it's it's a lot of these areas that you can't argue anybody into the kingdom which is why we pray and we say okay holy spirit do what you have to do you know and sometimes that means unfortunately um some rough times for them you, you know um but uh, Psalm 119, 67, and then 73 says, Before I was afflicted, um, you know, or it was good for me to be afflicted because then I learned your commands. And so sometimes we, we have a different view of affliction, especially for those who are outside of Christ, because that could be the very thing that makes them go, Wait a second, I'm frail now. So, how about uh, John 1, 12, and 13?
3: But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God.
0: Okay. So again, John clarifies it, right? The will of man would not give you the ability to be called the sons of God. The, The will of the flesh would not give you the ability to be called a child of God. But the will of God can make that happen. And that's again, he gave you the right. He gave you the right. You can't earn the right, right? I think what's a lot of times we think we earn something.
2: Or that we have authority when it's gotta be something given
0: to us. Right, right. Well, now what does Jesus say? All authority has been given to me. Right. And he goes, and I give that authority to, to you to forgive sins. And, and, but we can't forgive sins if we didn't give, weren't given the authority from Christ to do that. It doesn't make us puppets, by the way. I think that's the other argument. Well, now you're just a bunch of puppets doing whatever the Holy Spirit wa- wants you to do. I'm like, well, I'm a, not a very good puppet then. There's some strings broken. <laughs> you know, we need we need some help here. Um, how about First uh, Corinthians 12, verse three?
2: So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, but no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit.
0: Right. Now we know that even the de- even the demons believe. Right? but this isn't talking about this. Is I mean, when we say Jesus is Lord, this is a statement of he has authority to what Laura was saying, over my life. But I can't say that unless I'm given the ability by the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about that a little bit as believers. How have you experienced the, 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 the moments where you can profess that Jesus is Lord? Um, because sometimes we we don't act like it, you know. We think that we got to make our own decisions, and we can make our own decisions, and we uh, and then that gets disrupted a little bit. Um, so, what what are some of your experiences where you have come to the realization that Jesus really is Lord? If you're willing to share. Well, in the broader
2: sense, when you are praying for something you really want, but. It doesn't always happen or it doesn't happen in the way you
3: think you want
0: it mm-hmm. right, and then you you get something different and you see how it's better, and you're like, okay, G- jesus you you're, you're right I'm you know thank you for not giving in to my you know that's what you do as parents, right? Kids really want something, and you as a parent, being older and wiser go this would not be good for you. <laughs> this would not be good for you, and sometimes you know it takes some whining and complaining before they go. Okay, this is better, right? Um, so that's good.
3: Answered prayer. I've noticed in my younger day, I was appreciating when you pray for something, you see something flow. It's a, it's a testimony that he's actually listening. Mathematically, for something to happen, you pray for probably it's pretty fairly rare that it's going to be that spontaneous. Um,
2: we've seen it a lot over the last year, like you don't really know what to pray for. You're just praying for peace or for mm-hmm. something and then you see God answer that in a way that you would have never expected it to be answered.
0: Yeah, sometimes our options have to be uh, exhausted. In our, You know, because I mean, maybe I'm just this way, but you pray with all and you pray to God in a way it's like, here's my, here's here's plan A, B, or C, right? All these would be good. Do one of those, please. You know, and then he comes in with real, not even D, E, or F. It's like, you know, like W. Here's plan W that was, you know, and we'll call that plan, just since we're in the moment, plan wonderful, right? Okay. So, and you're like, oh. He has this plan
2: you knew nothing about. Right. I mean, you had all of these revenues like figured out and how they would work. And then you get to the end of it and he's like, oh, never mind. Here's this. And you're like, where'd
0: that come from? Right. And I think that that is part of, of what we're talking about. Of us saying okay Jesus your Lord because you know you you have plans for me the plans that I had <laughs> you know where I love that the, the scripture uh, man makes plans but God directs the steps you know and, and I've made lots of plans and God said uh-huh sure and here we go this way right okay uh, and it, it's great uh, you know but the, our problem is that we continue to make plans uh, instead of saying okay Lord uh, here I am this day Uh, We we start making plans, and James even calls it out, like I mentioned on last Sunday, that, you know, woe to you who said, I'll do this in this city, I'm going to do this. He said, you should say, if the Lord wills, then I will do this. Um, And I think sometimes we're like, oh yeah, well, the Lord, you know, he's there, but I'm going to go do this. so how do we come to believe in the gospel so this is our need let's I define gospel briefly for us here our need for forgiveness provided in jesus christ alone because a lot of people when they say gospel will not talk about the forgiveness of sins that's provided in jesus christ they'll talk about the riches of heaven that we have or the the blessings that we get which is all true to some degree, but if it doesn't start with our need for forgiveness provided in Jesus Christ alone, we will forget that we are in need of forgiveness in Jesus Christ alone. Right? So, Second um, Thessalonians two verse fourteen. He
2: called you to, to this through our gospel,
0: that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So, how do we come to believe that? According to Second Thessalonians you know two the fourteen.
3: Okay.
2: Well, because he called you
0: called great. So we came to this knowledge because of the calling of God, which was to the forgiveness of sins. Our need for the forgiveness of sins. How about Romans 1.16? Well, I
3: am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek.
0: So there's power there, right? And I think that we would, we would sit there and, and really recognize that, that there's power. I mean, you don't raise someone from dead to life without some sort of energy, right? There's got to be that's miraculous power happening. And I think sometimes we get complacent and we don't realize the power of the gospel because we've walked with Christ for a while maybe, we've known him for years, and so that, that, that idea of being converted, uh, being saved, being raised up from the dead um, doesn't feel as powerful as it used to. But yet, it's really important that when we look at one another, when we look at those that are in Christ, there has been miraculous power done for sure in anyone who will claim Jesus Christ as Lord. For sure, just that. Now, we would all attest that there's more miraculous power that God has done throughout our lives over the years. But, but we're all a miracle of God's power walking around. So how do we come to believe in the gospel? It's the power of God. Uh, Romans 6, 23
2: for the of those death the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Christ.
0: Okay. So, how do we come to believe the gospel? It's a gift, right? And what I like about that, and even in, in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10, it says it is the gift of God, right? It's not a gift. It's not, here's one of the gifts. You know, coming, be, coming from death to life, the free gift of God in Jesus Christ. It's very important. It's the gift of God, Jesus to us. And Revelation 22, verse 17.
3: And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who uh, thirsts come. Whoever uh, desires, let him uh, take the water of life freely.
0: Okay. So again, we're being beckoned, right? Would you say that? We're being called to this. We, we believe the gospel because somebody, that is the Holy Spirit, is calling us to it. So, we have time. Great. What is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer? Before we get into the scripture, now that we've talked about a little bit at the beginning, but what is that work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer?
2: I think going back to what we were talking about earlier is taking the path that God opened because it wasn't
0: one
3: of your plans. Okay. Sounds like sanctification, the process is being birthed.
0: Okay. Um, so I would say, again, that we're discovering the sanctification that's already been accomplished on our behalf. Right? Mm-hmm. We're discovering that we've been set apart. We're growing in the fact that we've been set apart unto holiness for God, because we wouldn't, on our own, choose the holiness path, the path that, that pleases God. And so the Holy Spirit works to where that becomes more of our choice, right? That becomes something we, we desire a little bit more. I mean, how many of you, I'm, and, and, and this isn't confession time, but how many of you, um, oh no, great, looks very clear. There's paper towels next to the sink there. How many of us, though, now um, feel like, feel may be the wrong term, but feel like we desire the things of God more than we did 10 years ago? Maybe 15 years ago. Hopefully, three days ago, right? I mean, that's, that's the idea. Now, how many of us also feel the inability to do those things which please God often, right? Because we become more sensitive to even the smallest things. Like, you, you know, um, when Laura and I were first married, I could fly off the handle and be angry, no big deal, right? And then i just get over it, um, which apparently I've, I've learned that, that Laura can't get over it as quickly as I can get over it. That's because men and women are different, right? It's just the way it is. And so now, you know, I'm not saying I don't, like, snap or say something, you know, just uh, direct and, and cutting, but my desire is that I wouldn't do that now. Whereas before, I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, get, it's her problem, not mine. Get over it, is, was my attitude. Instead of going, wait a second, that's not love. That's not pleasing to God. How can I communicate in a way that, that, that builds up um, and and she'll tell you I'm still working on it. So, but uh, you know, you probably won't. You're so you're gracious, more gracious than I am. But but, um, but the whole thing is is that that I don't want to. I find myself often snapping with a comment or, or something, and I'm like, dang it. And then so sometimes even um, more personal confession. I'm, I won't say it out loud, but I'll think it. And that's and that's I mean I guess that's better. But at the same time, it's like wait a second. I still need to, Lord, I don't even want to think it. I don't want to have thoughts that would tear her down, or anybody else for that matter. But, um, and so how do we, you know, that's a growth process, because I won't desire that in my flesh. I'm like, I'm right, you're wrong, I'll destroy you, whether I'm right or not, right? It doesn't matter. As
3: long as we're doing confession, I was thinking that my <laughs> attitude and actions, Good. words, thoughts, and deeds, I was just going to say, when you think about attitude, actions, words, thoughts, all the inward stuff over there, uh, that's where I noticed that it, it's restricting me. Uh, I'm more sensitive to the degree of, uh, yeah, I could say that, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hold off on that and, 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 and take a different view. Maybe.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that um, something that wasn't in the notes, it's free for you all, but that, that God gave to me years ago, and I've said it before to you, so you have to sit there and determine, is this worth the relationship? right? Is, is my attitude, is my desire to be right, my desire to win an argument, is it worth the relationship? And you're like, well, no, probably not. <laughs> it's probably not because it's a moment in time, and usually um, it's over silly stuff. It's never, you know, something vastly important. Uh, the, usually when the, the big decisions come, you both are at a point, uh, in relationships anyway, where you're like, okay, we need help because neither of us have the right answer here. So, anyway. Yes. Being willing to know your, your triggers
2: and mm-hmm. pray through them instead of react to them. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And the Holy Spirit reveals that to you. Right. right? Y- you know, because you wouldn't have cared 20 years ago. At least I wouldn't. Whatever. And he's like, you know what? This the enemy uses to trigger you to think that your wife's your enemy and she's not your enemy. Right? so, Or your child or, or, your child or whoever. So, <laughs> Be thinking about that if you have a chance this week. What is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer? And we'll jump into it next week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for uh, uh, suffering long with us as we just think about how good you are and how you have called us. You've given us the right to be your children. You've given us the ability to, to say Jesus is Lord. And yet we find the tension that is there between what we desire and what your spirit desires. Help us not to grieve the Spirit. Help us to walk in your ways. Give us strength. Help us to pray for one another for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we didn't finish it in one week. Oh, well.